Hello, everybody. Welcome back to today's episode of the Chicago Sports Insider Podcast. Let's start today's episode off talking about the Bulls, who defeated the New Orleans Pelicans last night, 128-112, to making them 2-0 on the season. A triple-double from Lonzo Ball, as well as a 32-point performance from Zach Levine would help elevate the Bulls to a victory. DeMar DeRozan also puts up 26 on Nikola Vucevic with 10 Alonzo with 17, Javante Green coming off the bench puts up 10, and Elise Johnson off the bench puts up 8. So a great performance from the Bulls all around uh, as they start off uh, 2-0 on the season, which is uh, for the first time in a while, uh, making a lot of Bulls fans very optimistic about the future. DeMar DeRozan continues to look very good. Uh, I know Zach Levine is doing his thing, and Lonzo Ball gets some revenge against his former team, the team that chose not to uh, re-sign him in the offseason. So, uh, big, <clears throat> so big game from the uh, from the Bulls in this one, and uh, you have to be happy if you were uh, if you're watching this game. Uh, the Bulls looked very good on both sides of the ball. Lonzo Ball, he had a very big night. Like I said, that triple double was huge, uh, and then also going in there and putting up. Uh, pretty nice defensive performance. Uh, he also had in this game, uh, he had a block as well as a couple steals, so uh, as well as 10 rebounds on the night. So a uh, really good night from Lonzo Ball. Uh, he definitely is proving why he is such a he was such a hot commodity uh, in the offseason for the Bulls. Zach Levine uh, continued to do his thing, 32 points in 32 minutes. We expected that from him. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, great things to talk about here for the Bulls. They will be playing on Monday. Uh, on uh, Monday in, oh, actually no, I'm looking at the wrong thing. They're playing today against the uh, Detroit Pistons at home. This is going to be their third game of the season. So uh, Detroit uh, and the Bulls last played the first game of the year, which was on Wednesday, and uh, the Bulls were able to come out with a victory there. They didn't look particularly great, but I think now uh, since the second game is done, I think you're finally going to get some better chemistry, and I'm excited to see what the Bulls are going to be able to do tonight at seven o'clock at the United Center. Um, then they're going to be heading uh, to Toronto to take on the Toronto Raptors, uh, but that's going to be on the 25th, so on Monday. So um, right now, hopefully the Bulls are able to extend their uh, their their season to three and zero. Right now, that would be great. Uh, so the Bulls definitely looking very good right now. Uh, but the Blackhawks today, uh, Blackhawks are not looking good at all. Uh, they announced today that they are placing Patrick Kane on the COVID-19 list and that Ryan Carpenter and Eric Gustafson have both missed practice uh, due to the due to COVID, but he is not. Uh, neither of them have been placed on the COVID list. Patrick Kane is the only one so far who's been placed on the uh, team's COVID list. So uh, Gustafson right now isn't a huge loss. Carpenter, a uh, guy who's a, a big power, uh, big penalty kill guy, very much the penalty kill captain for this team. Um, but Kane, that's a huge, huge loss. Um, you know, he he's uh, he's you no know, not off to a amazing Patrick Kane start, but he's uh, still a big part of this team. Just have playing his one thousandth game. That really sucks uh, for the Blackhawks. Uh, they're going to be playing tomorrow against the Detroit Red Wings in Chicago for a uh, hopefully a victory. Detroit has um has looked pretty solid so far this season uh they had uh a narrow loss to the lightning and they de- defeated the canucks a team the hawks just lost to they defeated the, the uh, blue jackets and they lost to the flames so uh right now they're going to be taking on the canadians tonight and then they're going to be heading to chicago so uh no the red rings don't look terrible uh so maybe this could be a chance for the hawks to uh to get their first win of the season they desperately need one though uh because jeremy colleton could very very soon be uh, be inching towards that hot seat there um 
So, uh, so hopefully we're going to see some, uh, some, some big moves from the Hawks here, uh, even without Patrick Kane. Hopefully they're going to be able to, uh, to get a win against Detroit. And tomorrow the Bears are going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 325 in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay has looked good this season. They are 5-1. and one. The Bears 3-3 three and three, uh, coming off that loss to Green Bay. Uh, they have a lot to prove here. They have a lot to prove that, uh, that last season was not a fluke win, even though it sort of was a fluke win. If you remember last season, the Bears narrowly beat the Buccaneers thanks to Tom Brady thinking he had an extra down. Um, but uh, but the Bears definitely need to come out here and win. Uh, they did get some good news today that running back Damian Williams has been has been taken off the COVID-19 list, so they will have an extra running back. Uh, so Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams will be uh, manning that running back that running back core, but uh, they're going to be going against a very good uh, rushing defense in the uh, Buccaneers. They have a very good defensive line, despite the fact that they're missing Levante David. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is also questionable. They still have a very good line, so um, could be a tough game running the ball, but uh, I'm pretty confident the Bears could have a chance against the Buccaneers, even though it's kind of unlikely they're going to get a win here. Uh, and then Tom Brady's definitely going to be very motivated to come out here and get a win after last season uh, where he you know, he had that embarrassing mistake, which uh, cost them the game. And uh, he's definitely going to be out here really, really preparing to uh, to get a victory against the Bears. They des- they, they don't really need it, but uh, he's definitely going to be very, very ready to uh, get a victory over a Bears team that uh, he should be beating. Uh, the Bears did announce today that defensive lineman Akeem Hicks will be out for Sunday's game with a groin injury. Uh, he was limited in practice Friday, and they have determined he will not be playing. Khalil Mack, Al Robinson, and and uh, Caleb Johnson, as well as Jakeem Grant and J.P. Holtz, uh, Bilal Nichols, and Duke Shelley are all still uh, questionable with injuries. So hopefully we're going to see some of these guys playing Khalil Mack, Al Robinson. Those are two big names that the, uh, the Bears are going to need. Um, so hopefully the Bears are going to be able to come out here and uh, and put put their best foot forward against a Buccaneers team that is uh, is very good. And now let's turn to the White Sox season grades. We're now going to be turning towards uh, some of the bench players, some like the uh, the players who made slightly, who didn't start every day. We're sort of uh, sort of in now the lineup. So let's start off talking about Brian Goodwin. And uh, Brian Goodwin, he ended up ending his season with a two twenty one batting average, eight home runs. 29 RBIs on 52 hits. Uh, he had a 319 OBP, 374 slugging, a 693 OPS, and OPS plus of 90. Um, Goodwin was a guy who actually started for a pretty long time for this team since the uh, since they had the injuries to Luis Robert and uh, Eloy Jimenez. They sort of needed that guy in the uh, in the outfield. He ended up signing midseason and uh, came in was a pretty big piece to the uh, to the. Um, uh, to the uh, White Sox team for a while. Uh, he was playing some pretty good baseball, uh, and then towards the end of the season, he got hurt and was ended up ended up not being able to play in the postseason. But um, I think he honestly had a pretty solid season. He knew his role. Uh, towards the end of the year, he started to struggle a little bit more. His defensive game was not amazing. I give him a solid B on the year. He did know his role. He knew he was not going to be a uh, star player. He knew he was going to be a guy who was probably going to be fluctuating in and out of the lineup uh, after the uh, after the injuries to uh, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert were done. So I give him a solid B on the season. 
Now it's turned to Zach Collins, who uh, ended his season hitting 210 with four home runs, 26 RBIs, uh, 41 hits on the year with a 330 OBP, 338 slugging, 669 OPS, and OPS plus of 85. Um, Zach Collins, once again, just did not look good this season. It was a big struggle for him. Um, he even lost his his job on the roster for a long time. Uh, he was in AAA for a while when uh, Sebi Zavala was given a chance to uh, to become the, the starter for a little bit. And once Osmondi Grandal came back, he ended up joining the team and ended up making the postseason roster. But Still, not a good year from him. We were expecting a lot more out of a former first-round pick, and uh, right now it's not really. He's not looking very good at all defensively. He is pretty solid, but uh, offensively, we're still waiting for him to really develop any sort of any sort of uh, consistent power. He's not a very consistent hitter. If he's able to get a hold of a baseball, that ball is going to be crushed. But the problem is he hasn't really been able to hit consistently uh, at the MLB level. So. I'd probably give him a D on the season. It just was not a great year for him, uh, especially for him to lose his job to a to a guy who really wasn't considered to be a part of this roster in uh, Sebi Zavala. Sort of is, uh, it was a bit shocking, I think, to me. Uh, now let's turn to Danny Mendick, who ended his season hitting 220 with two home runs, 20 RBIs, 36 hits, uh, with a 303 OBP, 287 slugging, a 589 OPS, and a OPS plus of 64. Danny Mendick, uh, I was pretty high on him last season when, uh, or just before Nick Madrigal got called up to the MLB. But uh, this season was not a good year for him. He ended up having a pretty, uh, pretty tough time at the plate. Uh, he spent a good amount of time in AAA. Um, really was not a great year for him at all. Uh, you know, had trouble getting in the lineup. But he did. He could play everywhere. They did try him in right field for a little bit. Then they tried him at third base. He could play shortstop. He could play second. He could play anywhere, which is good and to have that utility guy. But they already sort of had that in Larry Garcia. I didn't really think they needed him too much. Um, but so I'd probably give him a D on the season. He didn't really have a particularly great year. And now let's turn to Gavin Sheets, who ended his season hitting 250 with 11 home runs, 34 RBIs, uh, 40 hits, a, a three. 24 OBP slugging uh, 506, a 830 OP, uh, OPS and OPS plus of 123. This is going to be a guy who gets an A on the season. Uh, really good year from him. Uh, he had a whole bunch of clutch hits uh, towards the end of the uh, the season. Once he came back from AAA, he was dominant. Um, he he just he was coming out of nowhere and just absolutely dominated um so really good season from gavin sheets i think he's going to be very uh big part of this team's future uh moving forward here so he's gonna get an a easily now let's turn to adam engel who ended his season hitting 252 with seven home runs 18 rbis 31 hits uh, a 336 obp 496 slugging uh 832 ops and an ops plus of 124 uh, Adam Engel, no, he did struggle with some injuries last season. He had a very big season where uh, we didn't really expect to see him uh, break out the way he did. Uh, and we always said, you know, if he was able to develop consistent power, consistent, uh, consistent hitting ability, he'd be a very good center fielder. And uh, in 2020, he was able to do that. But 2021, uh, he started the year off injured, didn't really play in spring training at all. Then once he returned, he sort of struggled a little bit. Uh, and then he never really got it going with the bat. Uh, his defensive game was still there, but uh, unfortunately the injuries were a big problem for him. He kept on getting hurt, and uh, that really limited his uh, his uh, performance here with the uh, White Sox this season. I'd probably give him a solid. I'd probably give him a solid C plus. 
because uh, you no, know, even though he you know he keeps on having these injury issues, which is you no know, a big problem. I think if he was able to stay healthy, he'd be able to um, you know really be in a good spot with his team. But unfortunately, the injuries are a big issue for him. Uh, now let's turn to Billy Hamilton, who ended his season hitting 220 with two home runs, 11 RBIs, 28 hits. A 242 OBP, slugging of 378, a 620 OPS, and an OPS plus of 67. He's another guy like like Brian Goodwin who sort of knew his role. Uh, He came in after the injury to Eloy Jimenez. And he did a pretty solid job of filling that role. Uh, His defensive game is amazing. He has that great speed. He knew his role of... um, of mainly being a pinch runner or a defensive uh, defensive replacement. He did have a couple of big home runs or a couple of clutch hits, but overall, uh, I was... I was pretty happy with what Brian Goodwin was able to do. He came in here, was a great guy for morale. He was you no know, huge on morale in that uh, White Sox dugout. So I was pretty happy with what he was able to do with the White Sox. So uh, I'd probably give him a solid B. I think he, he his defensive game was everything is advertised. Uh, now let's turn to Jake Lamb, who ended his season hitting 194 with seven home runs, 19 RBIs, 28 hits, a 306 OBP, a slugging percentage of 368, uh, an OPS of 674, and an OBS and an OPS plus of 84. Yeah, I mean he just he wasn't really great. Uh, we didn't really expect him to be a uh, to be a big piece of this team. Uh, but it was it was a pretty bad year for me. Didn't play great defense. Uh, he had a couple of big hits or a couple of big home runs, but that was really it. Uh, his defensive game, like I said, wasn't great. Um, and he he was even you know he was sort of that utility guy. He could play third base. He could play first base. Uh, he could play the outfield. Uh, occasionally had some games in in right field, but really not really important to this team uh so i'd say he was probably a d on the season he didn't really do much he got dfa'd in the middle of the season and uh and ended up being a being a year where he ended up bouncing around i think the blue jays and i think the blue jays released him after that so uh yeah he was probably a d on the season he just didn't really provide much for this team now let's turn to Sebi Zavala, who ended his season hitting 183 with five home runs, 15 RBIs, 17 hits with a 240 OBP, a slugging percentage of 376, uh, an OPS of 616, and an OPS plus of 66. Um, Sebi Zavala, I don't think anybody really expected him to be in the major leagues for as long as he was. He came in when they needed somebody at the uh, catching position once Yasmani Grandal got hurt. And uh, he came in here and he played pretty solid. He had, you know, his hitting percentage, his hitting wasn't great, um, but he still played pretty solid defense. A lot of the pitchers liked working with him. Uh, so I was pretty happy with his defensive game. Unfortunately, that hitting never really showed up, even though he had that three home run game against Cleveland. Um, his hitting just never really was there for the Sox. And uh, he ended up missing, I want to say the rest of the season. He got sent down to AAA and never made it back up. Uh, I doubt he's going to be a big part of this team next year as well. Uh, so right now I'd probably give him a solid C on the year. I mean, even though his defensive game was there, that hitting was, he was pretty brutal at the plate. Uh, now let's turn to Jake Berger, who hit 263 with one home run, three RBIs, 10 hits, a three a 333 OBP, a second percentage of 474, an OPS of 807, and an OPS plus of 118. Jake Berger's stats, it's sort of tough to look at them because he was a guy who spent, like I want to say, like two series with the White Sox before he got sent back down. Um, 
So it's really hard to judge his his performances on his stats. I think he played solid. His defense wasn't great, but uh, I think at the plate he was he was pretty good. I want to say in his debut against the Tigers, he went two for four, uh, which is good. Um, I you know from I didn't really expect Jake Berger to really be a part of this team at all. He had been hitting really well in AAA, but uh, you know, even for a for a first round pick, the injuries he's had are uh, are really tough to come back from. He ended up coming back from from them very well, so I was pretty happy with that. I think he gets an A just for everything he's gone through, just how he was able to power through all that. Uh, so really good job to Jake Berger. I don't really know where he's going to fit into this team's future. I don't really know if they're going to have a spot for him with the emergence of Andrew Vaughn and and uh, Gavin Sheets, but. Uh, right now, solid year from him. Now let's turn to Romy Gonzalez, who hit 250 with no home runs, two RBIs, eight hits, a uh, 273 OBP or uh, yeah OBP, uh, 344 slugging, 616 OPS, and OPS plus of 68. Uh, Gonzalez was mainly more of a defensive player. Um, he played some pretty okay defense, um, but. Really, uh, you know, he didn't really provide much at the plate. Uh, he had a couple, you know, he was a big strikeout guy. He had a couple walks, but uh, he only spent a little bit of time in the majors before he got sent back down. Uh, so we didn't really see a whole, whole lot from him. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I'd probably give him a, a, a D. He didn't really provide much to this team. So uh, maybe one game where he had a, he had a pretty nice, nice night, but that was really it. Uh, then we have Nick Williams. I don't really need to talk about Nick Williams. He spent like two games with the White Sox before they, they DFA'd him. And I don't even know where he ended up for the rest of the year. Uh, he played in four games with the White Sox. So um, yeah, really nothing to talk about there. Uh, I don't really think I even need to grade him because it's hard to. He only played a couple games. Now we have Luis Gonzalez who uh, hit 250 with uh, two hits, no home runs, no RBIs. Uh, he had a 455 OBP, uh, 500 slugging, 955 OPS, and an OPS plus of 163. Sort of tough to grade Luis, Gun- Luis Gonzalez on his stats because he only spent like one series in the in the majors i want to say he was the only series he spent with the white Sox was that series in pittsburgh at pnc park where he uh uh where he played a little bit i want to say that's the only series he spent with the white Sox, but um yeah it was uh, he didn't really do much of anything um he ended up getting dfa'd in the middle of the year i think they even released him and uh it was it was a whole whole bunch of stuff but um pretty solid i mean it was a pretty solid game uh i mean he wasn't he wasn't bad his defensive his defense was pretty was pretty all right but hitting you know he wasn't he wasn't really great at it so i'd probably give him a c he did what he needed to do which was hit he didn't really or was uh, not hit was play defense uh and he didn't really start a whole lot so there's not really much to uh to grade there i guess from luis gonzalez but that's gonna do it for today's episode of the podcast thank you guys for tuning in and i will see you guys tomorrow